Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. I record these and then it goes through a process of editing and then we transcribe them and then we put it on the website. So I'm not exactly sure today what the future situation will be with the coronavirus, but my prayers are going out to everyone who is affected by it, which is every single person. Those of us who are moms who are now dealing with homeschooling our children, while many of you are still being gaslit or emotionally abused in your home, especially with someone who is now home more. And so just the situation I'm imagining is very hard. And just know that my prayers are going out to you. All right, today I'm going to talk about boundaries because so many women are confused about what boundaries are and how to use them to be safe. The purpose of a boundary is to stop harm. If you think about boundaries in the traditional sense, you've got a boundary line or maybe a fence, and it stops someone from coming over the fence. But if the boundary does not stop the harm, then it's not a boundary. It's not a good boundary or not a boundary at all. A boundary is not something that is an idea that doesn't work. So if you have a property line and someone can just cross over it, no problem, the boundary doesn't do you a whole lot of good. When I talk about boundaries, I want you to think of something that can actually stop the harm. If you then put up a fence and they climb over the fence, then you still don't have a boundary. So then if you put a lock on the fence, but they still climb over the fence, you still don't have a boundary. What can you do to make an actual boundary that stops the harm is the topic of today's discussion. Now, the reason why so many women are confused about boundaries is because traditionally speaking, therapists and other experts, I'm going to put in quotes, have set up boundaries this way. You set a boundary, meaning that you state what you will or will not accept. So you'll say something like, I will not accept pornography in my home, or I will not be lied to. And that is your quote unquote boundary. And then if the boundary is crossed then you have to enforce your boundary, okay? That pattern of boundary and then a violation and then you have to enforce your boundary or then you have to hold your boundary is problematic. That is what so many therapists or coaches are teaching right now and it is 
not working for a lot of women. If that model works for you, shine on, right? Keep using it. But if you've been taught that model and you're like, this is hard now, how do I enforce my boundary? Like I quote unquote set the boundary. I said, I will not be lied to, or I will not be treated this way, or porn is not allowed in my house or something. And then it gets violated. And then you're like, what do I do now? If you're in that boat, I want to teach you a new model for boundaries that I think is way more practical that makes a lot more sense. Okay, so instead of thinking of a boundary as a statement or as a thing that you will or will not tolerate, I want you to think of a boundary as the actual physical or mental thing that stops the harm. So if the harm has not stopped, then think in your mind, I don't have a boundary yet, okay? So like I said, if you think, okay, my, my property line is the boundary, but then the person just walks over it. Okay, you don't have a boundary. Okay, a fence is the boundary, but the person just climbs over the fence. Okay, I don't have a boundary yet, right? When that person stops crossing your property line, that's when you know that you actually have a viable boundary. Okay, number one, and you might want to take notes here. Number one. A boundary is something that actually stops the harm. If the harm has not stopped, you have not set a boundary. Okay, that's the first thing I want you to know. Because the whole point is for the harm to stop. If the harm hasn't stopped, then what? You're in the same situation that you were before. So we're just going to deal with actual practical things here in terms of how can you get to safety. Okay. So number one, a boundary is something that actually stops the harm. Number two, statements like you cannot treat me this way or I will not allow this in my home or whatever are just statements and they cannot keep you safe. And so therefore, they are not a boundary. With a coach or a therapist, if you're doing quote unquote boundary work and you're making a list of things you will or will not tolerate, you are not making a list of boundaries. What you are making a list of is safety issues. These behaviors help me feel safe. These behaviors do not help me feel safe. As you make that safety list, you can write down, number one, I don't feel safe with someone who uses porn. I don't feel safe with someone who lies to me. I don't feel safe with someone who is grooming me through like being kind to me when really they just want to have sex. I don't feel safe when this. I don't feel safe when that. You can write a list of that. That is not a list of boundaries. That is a list of safety issues. Many women need to understand what safety looks like. Many women haven't really gone into what would help me feel safe? How can I feel more safe? What behaviors are safe and what behaviors are not safe, right? So making that list of safety issues is key. You can write them down. You can even state them to your abuser. You could say, I don't feel safe when you try to manipulate me or I don't feel safe when I'm gaslit or whatever. You can say it or not say it. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you understand what the safety issues are. You can state a safety issue. You can write it down. But you cannot state a boundary. Because if you just say my boundary is this, it doesn't make a difference. They can still climb over the fence, so to speak. I don't want anyone to think that if they make a list of things they will or will not tolerate, that that will help keep them safe from those things. 
It will help them identify the things that are unsafe, but it doesn't really help you be safe apart from just being able to identify it, which is an important step for sure. You have to be able to identify it to set a boundary around it, but making the list of safety issues won't in and of itself keep you safe. That list of safety issues, that's not a list of boundaries. That's just a list of safety issues. And once you understand what the safety issues are, then you can work from there to determine what actions you can take. They can be mental actions. They can be physical actions. What actions you can take to keep yourself safe. Number one, the point of a boundary is to stop harm. Number two, writing something down or making a list of statements or determining safety issues is just that. They're just safety issues. If you've made a list of things you will and will not tolerate, you have not created any boundaries. You've just made a list of safety issues. Number three, a boundary is an action. Now, it could just be a mental action. It could be like you close your eyes. That could be a boundary, right? It could be that you turn the other way. So it doesn't necessarily mean divorce or something, right? It can mean a lot of different things, but a boundary is an action that stops the harm. So let's take the example of the property line again. So you've got a property line, person keeps crossing it. So then you put up a fence. So then they climb over the fence. You still don't actually have a boundary because a person can still get over it. Then you put a lock on it, which doesn't really do any good because they can still climb over the fence. So then your next step might be that you call the police, right? You call the police and say, this person is trespassing on my property. The police come and they arrest the person and they take them to jail and they charge them with trespassing. That might stop it. Okay. So once the harm has stopped, you know that you have an actual boundary. That's what I mean when I say a boundary is action. If the harm has stopped, then you can be confident that you have an actual boundary. For example, blocking someone on your phone actually stops them from being able to harass you, call you, text you, things like that. Now, can they call from another number or a block number or something like that? Yes, they can. But if you make a boundary that you will never answer a number that you don't recognize, then you'll never be caught off guard. Then they'll have to leave a message. And are they going to leave a verbally abusive message? They might, and then you can block that number and you can just continue to block numbers. Saying, I won't talk to him, just saying it, if he continues to lie and manipulate, doesn't really keep you safe because then every single conversation he can lie and manipulate you, right? So if you notice that he's getting over the fence, then blocking it on your phone or blocking his email or deleting your social media accounts, that's an actual boundary because it literally stops the harm. That seems extreme. Uh, you could go for a, a smaller boundary, like every time he says something, you walk out um, of the room, let's say, or every time he starts stonewalling or just looking at his phone and refusing to talk to you, you get up and walk out. Does that stop the harm? I don't know. You need to know what the harm is. So if you have that list of things that harm you, then you can kind of assess, okay, I set this boundary, which means you actually took action. And it stopped. So let's say he's verbally harassing you in the car and you turn and you look out the window and he stops talking. Did that stop the harm? Is that a boundary? The answer to that might be, yeah, yeah, 
it did. It worked. He stopped in that moment. Great. You can say, okay, that's a good boundary. I'm going to continue to do that. Real quick before a response, there are a lot of so-called betrayal trauma therapists or coaches or groups out there, but they don't approach pornography use or infidelity as an abuse issue, or they try to quote unquote treat both the abuser and the victim in the same setting, which is unethical. So if you hear something in this episode you relate to, check out the group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a group session today. Now back to our conversation. Expecting someone to be honest and take accountability and be humble and submit to the consequences of their actions, those are like literally basic skills. It is not rocket science. You don't have to lay it out for him, okay? You can say if he wants to step up and be an adult and be a healthy person, great. I'll let him back into my life. And if he doesn't, great. I'm safe. This thing where you have to come up with your boundaries and then you have to tell the perpetrator, okay, my boundary is no porn in the house. And if you do porn in the house, then I will ask you to move out. I think that's completely backwards. If they use porn in your house, you don't have to tell them up front. You don't have to decide beforehand. If it happens, you don't have to give them notice. None of that. If it's a safety issue, you can say you use porn in the house. You now need to move out. So it doesn't go boundary, violation, and then enforce a boundary. That's not how boundaries work. Functioning, responsible, mature adults don't need to be told, if you lie to me, I feel unsafe, and so I am going to set a boundary. They don't need that. A functioning adult and a mature person would know that you shouldn't lie to people. So what we have, boundaries have two parts. Number one, a safety violation, and then a physical thing that stops the harm. So the way it works is safety violation and then boundary to stop the harm. You can take action and create a barrier to keep you safe whether or not he understands it. You don't have to tell him what it's for. You don't have to explain it. Nothing. You can just set the boundary and be safe. And then if he gets it, he gets it. If he doesn't, he doesn't. It's not your responsibility to try and explain it to him. Like the things we want them to do, right? Be honest, not manipulate, not look at porn, not cheat. It's not rocket science. These are basic like skills that adults should know. So it's not your responsibility to have to explain it. If someone tries to make you feel like it is, that's simply manipulation to try and get you to communicate with someone who's not safe enough to communicate with. I was reading in the Book of Mormon this morning. And with the coronavirus, it's interesting because all this like apocalyptic sort of end of the world things people are talking about. And in 2 Nephi chapter 30, it's talking about the end times. I'm not saying right now is the end times. I have no idea. But in the scriptures, verse 10, it says, For the time speedily cometh that the Lord God shall cause a great division among the people, and the wicked he will destroy, and he will spare his people, yet even if it so be that he must destroy the wicked by fire. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. So this division that we're talking about, where the wicked, or the unhealthy, let's call it, are separated from the healthy, is prophesied throughout the scriptures. And I did a podcast about boundaries and New Testament scriptures that bring up boundaries. So if you're a woman of faith and you think, well, wait a minute, this lack of communication or separating feels bad. Like my church doesn't teach this. That's not true. We've got evidence of that throughout the scriptures of in the last days, there will be a great division between the wicked and the righteous. And 
it's okay if you're seeing wickedness or unhealth in your own home and you're realizing, wait a minute, I need to separate myself from this. It's similar to needing to quarantine if you have coronavirus. I'm not saying you wicked if you have it. No, that is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, even just with public health issues, it's a safety issue, right? If you have the virus, you need to stay separated from people who don't so you don't get them sick. Same thing with wickedness here. Again, I don't want you to think that I think that people with coronavirus are wicked or that they're sinning. So please don't take that from that example. But in the example of harm, separating yourself from the harm is important. Otherwise, you're going to be harmed, right? There's no other way to protect yourself other than the separating yourself from it. So when someone asks, what is a boundary? I want the answer to be, a boundary is a protective barrier. A boundary is a protective barrier. It's not something that you can say. So if you're in a fight and you say to them, if you don't speak to me with respect, I'm not going to participate in the conversation, right? Let's say you say that out loud to them. You have not set a boundary, but you have identified a safety issue and you have said what you will do, but that's not the boundary. If you're in the discussion and they're not speaking to you with respect, the boundary would be actually walking out of the room. Because if you keep engaging with someone who is harming you, even if you keep telling them, please don't do this, please stop, but they keep doing it, and you don't leave, you haven't stopped the harm. When someone asks, what are boundaries? What is a boundary? The answer is, it is a barrier that stops harm. It is a barrier that stops harm. And in order to determine what kind of barriers you need or what kind of harms you have in your life, you may need to write a list of safety concerns, safety issues. These are the behaviors I'm seeing that are safety concerns. These are things that I don't want in my home. Those are safety issues. That is fine. But writing that list, again, is not a boundary. So let me give you some examples. So from a community member, someone had an issue with do they interfere with their husband's recovery or not? Because he's not really going to therapy. He's, you know, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. And the woman wanted to set a boundary and say, I only want you to have a male therapist. She wanted to request that. And so she, quote unquote, set a boundary and told him, you can only have a male therapist. Well, that's not a boundary because it's just a safety issue, right? She's concerned. She doesn't want him to have a female therapist because she doesn't want him to be alone with another woman, which is totally reasonable. So instead of her thinking, she set a boundary in telling him, hey, I don't want you to have a female therapist. Then how does she set a boundary around this? Like, what does she do? And so my response would be, it is totally reasonable for you to expect that your husband refrain from being alone with other women, including a therapist. What are you going to do to feel safe in that event? And she might say, okay, well, he did choose to go to a female therapist, so my boundary is going to be that I'm going to go stay with my mom. Because every time I see him, I'm so triggered that I feel unsafe. So to stop the harm, she needs to remove herself from the situation. Here's another one from our community members. Someone just found out for the last month her husband had been viewing porn almost daily or every other day. And she said it was so disappointing. 
Of course, Ollie could say was he was sorry. And she said, I know that he's sorry, but how does that change anything? And so a response with a boundary is, I'm so sorry that you feel sad that your husband's been using porn. What boundary would help you feel emotionally safe in your own home? Would it make you feel safe if he moved out? Would you feel safer if he slept in another room? Like what actions can you take to stop his actions from harming you? So using the BTR model for boundaries, we have two parts. Number one, a safety violation. And a safety violation is an abusive behavior. That would include lying, manipulation, gaslighting, porn use, extramarital sex, having affairs, whatever. Any type of abusive behavior. And then a boundary is a protective barrier, the action that you take to stop him from harming you. So let me give you an example. If someone is soliciting a prostitute in Brazil and you don't know them and you don't know the prostitute, is it, does it hurt society in general? Yes. But is it hurting you directly? Mm, you know, it hurts all of us directly, I guess. But, but no, right? It's like... Mm. But if it's your husband soliciting a prostitute, that hurts you a lot, right? So it's getting enough space to say in your mind and in your heart that what he does is far away from me, right? You're trying to push his behavior as far away from you as possible because that is what stops the harm. It's always going to harm you if it's really close to you. So whatever way you can detach you can't control what he does. You can make requests, but you can't do anything about it. So how can you separate yourself from him so that his behaviors no longer harm you? That is the question. This new model is great because then nobody needs to, quote unquote, enforce the boundary. And also the boundary doesn't feel punitive, right? With the old model where you go boundary, then someone violates your boundary and then you have to enforce your boundary. You have this sense of like, oh, no, like I told him, then he crossed that boundary. And now what do I do? Right. That's the main problem that everybody has. So with that model, it doesn't quite work as well as just the two part model with a safety violation and then a boundary, because then you don't have to worry about like enforcing anything or you know anything like that. You have a safety violation. He lied to you. And then you do something to keep you safe from the lies, which might be that you don't talk to him. Because if he talks to you and he lies to you, the only way to stop that harm is to not talk to him anymore. There's no other way to do it. There's no way to get him to stop lying. The only thing you can do is separate yourself from someone who is lying. I am a teacher and I think this whole situation would be much better if I like drew it out on a whiteboard. But since this is a podcast, then hopefully you can visualize it. And There's a graphic on this podcast episode that you can go to to look at kind of the old school model that people use and this more practical model that will help you actually get to safety more quickly. If the old school model works for you, like shine on, go for it, right? But if it doesn't and you're still like, what is a boundary? How do I keep myself safe? How do I set a boundary? This new model of safety violation and then boundary will help you. So just to recap, A boundary is a protective barrier that stops the harm for you. He could still be doing the harmful behavior, but he can't do it to you anymore because you have this protective barrier. 
Is he going to hurt you? Yeah, I mean, like, you can set this protective barrier and he can still do his harmful actions out in the world. And will it still hurt you? And the answer to that is yes. I mean, if he's lying to other people about you and stuff, it, it's still harmful. But the actual, like, harm to you is greatly reduced when you don't have contact. And then knowing that you can bring up and you can talk about safety issues, you can talk about safety concerns, but just talking about it or making a list doesn't help you much if you don't actually take some type of action to keep yourself safe. I hope that makes sense. I want to hear your comments and your questions. I want to hear your confusion, you know, about boundaries. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on Support the BTR Podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 